0: Good morning. My name is Michael, and I am the pastor here at New Heights. We are very excited to have you with us on this Sunday morning. Hey, can we go from noon to maybe like six on the light? <laughs> uh, thank you. There you go. Just that one light. All right. Let's do this. Ha ha. Um, now I'm staring into it, and I can't see anything. Come on, like it's still so there. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Thank you, Coke. Sorry. Uh, Hey. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Wow, we're heavy on this side. Uh, It's very strange. Uh, How many of you were here for the 930 service last week? How many of you came early to come to the 930 service last week? All right, those of you who didn't miss everything, I I think that Jesus walked through the front. Um, It was a pretty amazing service to be joined together with the rest of the body here in, in, in the New Heights Sanctuary. Next week, there will be no services here in this sanctuary. They will all be down the hall in the sanctuary. 830, 930, and 11 are all going to be down there. Our worship team will be a part of the service. I, I don't exactly know what all they are doing, but I know that they will all be there. Most of them will be there uh, playing with the, uh, the sanctuary choir. I, I will have a role. I have no idea what I will be doing, but I'll be there as well. We are the the final day, final Sunday of our celebration, 20th anniversary celebration of being here on this campus, this Bassey Road campus, and we will celebrate together as one body in the sanctuary, and then apparently there are cupcakes uh, to be served in between uh, both the 930 and 11 services. So there you go, that's what's going on next week, so don't show up here and say I didn't tell you, because I just did. We have been walking through this series, this 20th anniversary series, and we've been focusing on, really, we've been looking back at the past and seeing the men and women and and talking about the things that happened that led us here to this campus. The people of Travis Park, United Methodist Church, who were living here, the outskirts of town, Alamo Heights, 100 years ago, was the outskirts of town, and, and there was a lot of young families with children, and they decided to start a little program that would have Sunday school and different things to take care of the families around this community. That led to Alma Heights and Methodist Church, which built on Broadway and was, and was there for 80-something years. But then a time came when they were growing and they had a lot of young families and a lot of kids, and so they made the decision to risk a whole lot and to come to this campus on Bassey Road. It was for the kids. It was so that they could have adequate space to really train and lead and shepherd The children of our community, one of which was my wife. Now, today, down the hall, Reed Mitnitsky is preaching. He is David Mitnitsky's youngest son. He's a student at University of Texas right now, but he has seen the light and he is applying to grad school somewhere else. um, Mainly because they don't have a seminary there, but um, he is an amazing young man whom I have seen. Grow up, and it is no surprise to me that he finds himself in the sanctuary on a day like today, leading the service. It's because of Pam and David. It's, well, let me tell you about a story about two other people that will maybe help tell it um, Pearl and Paul. Pearl and Paul Collins. They were uh, two people who were very influential on this service. They never knew this church existed. They never knew about New Heights. They never knew that I would become a pastor. They were my grandparents, my mom's side of the family, Pearl and Paul. I knew him as grandmother. That's right, we had to call her grandmother. Yes, grandmother. Um, And granddaddy. Granddaddy was this amazing man whom I've actually preached about in here from time to time. But one of the things that he, uh, he did for me was he taught me about humor. He was a really funny guy. And he had a, an amazing way to tell stories and to tell funny stories over and over again. You might have heard it before, but it was still really funny. He passed that on to me. Um, hopefully, I'm passing that on to my children because I think it's important. But there was something else that Pearl and Paul did. They read. I mean, like, they were readers. Any of you are readers in here? Any of you like to read books? Yeah, a few of you. Um, how many of you like to watch TV? Yeah, more of you? Maybe you just don't want to admit it now after I say that. Uh, okay, so Pearl and Paul were these just amazing readers. We they had a house in Wichita Falls, Texas, and and in their house they had uh, this library. And a library it, it was it was this really big room in their house because it was had a very big, important spot in their life. From floor to ceiling, these just complete wall of books. Just amazing collection of books they had. And the thing about it was, they weren't one of those couples who had a library in their house to tell people of the world that they were A, wealthy enough to have a library in their house, and B, smart enough to have a lot of books on the wall. They read every one of those books. A book didn't go into granddaddy's library unless he had read it. And so he had read just an amazing amount of books. I remember um, most Saturday mornings when we would stay with my grandparents, we would wake up in the morning. The three of us kids would sleep in one room and we would know where everyone would be when we woke up. They'd be in grandmother and granddaddy's bedroom. They had this little sitting area in their room and and we would find grandmother and granddaddy. uh, My grandmother was like this tall and she had high heel slippers even um, because my granddaddy was my height and. Um, and so you would find grandmother with her high heeled slippers on smoking a cigarette, um, and having coffee, but reading and granddaddy would be sitting next to her, um, in in his slippers and his robe. I can see uh, the robe right right now just so vividly. And, and he'd have a cigarette and coffee. That was just what they did back then. Um, and he'd be reading and my mom and dad would both be in there and they would be reading. It was just, that's what you did there. Like, I know they had a TV, but I'm not really sure where it was um, because it was all about reading and discovery and immersing yourself in in adventures and knowledge, whatever. My mom grew up with that, and so she was a really big reader, too. She loved to read. She was an English major in college and went on to get a master's in English. She became a Latin teacher. Latin, like, you know, that's going places, right? Um, she, she read so much, into, and, and language was such an important part of our family that if you lived in the Crocker household, you would know a lot of things, but one of the things you would know for certain was how to correctly speak. She was very clear about the ways that you speak and the ways that you do not speak. She was very clear about how you use grammar, the correct way to use grammar. It was as if we had an English teacher living in our house because we did. And it was just you would turn your papers into her before you would then turn them into the teacher, which was great on one hand. But on the other hand, she usually was a little bit more precise in her grading than the teacher would be later. She enlivened us and just opened our eyes to books and to stories and would read to us from a very early age. Over and over again My brother Is just this brilliant guy he, uh, he lives up in Austin And he's a reader He loves to read He goes through books so quickly Just like my mom Just like my granddaddy In fact, in his home They've never had cable television Thank you ever had cable. T- they have two little girls. They're not little girls anymore. One's about to graduate college, but they have just, I mean they, the, the nieces when they'd come to our house are like, hey, come to Uncle Michael's house. Let me show you amazing things. It's called television. But here's the deal. This morning I read a college essay written by my niece Carly. My, my dad is really proud of her. And so he sent him to, um, to my sister and myself. And I was reading it and she's applying to schools um, like Texas A&M where both of her parents went. And she is probably applying to the University of Texas. I don't know. They live in Austin, Um, but she may want to get away from home. I don't blame her. I want to get away from her parents, too. Um, It's just true. But then she's also applying to schools like Yale. Like that doesn't happen um, in the San Antonio version of the Crockers, like, you know, when when I applied to school, I could have applied to Yale and they would have gone, this, this is, is this guy serious? Um, it just wouldn't happen. My brother, sure, maybe, yes, but not me. But she's applying to Yale and to Stanford and to all these great schools because she can. And so I'm reading her essay this morning and it talks about her love of books. It talks about from an early age how she just immersed herself in books. And and what it led to and the different stories. And when she got into junior high and she started and they started having to read books and her friends had this deep hatred of books because you're being forced to read now. And she's like, I just don't understand that. And it was beautifully written. Um, She was she is much smarter than I um, using words that I was like, what? Wait, what does that mean? Uh, I have to look that up. And just a great story. But what I saw there I remember to, there's this one story that she didn't use, but I remember I think she was in first grade and she go, her class goes to the library and all the little kids go to the first grade books and she goes over to the fifth grade aisle and picks up this book on China. Why? Because her grandparents were there and she wanted to research and learn about China so that she could have a conversation with them about China when they got home. And the teacher said, the librarian goes, oh, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be over here. You should be down here in this level. And Carly just looked at her and she's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, and the teacher came up and she goes, "Oh, she's fine. But this love of books and this whole thing, it comes from her father, which came from his mother, which came from her father. You can just see that it was passed down from generation to generation to generation. Me, if you've ever talked to Cor- Corbin for any length of time, he's going to say something funny because he's pretty funny. They are smart. People like us. Um, that was kind of funny. No? Seriously, 11 o'clock, y'all are me today. They're the smart crockers. We're the ones everyone likes. Does that make it better? My parents listen to these sermons, and I'm saying these jokes, and you should be laughing about this because I'm going to hear about it later. My dad's going to be like, you're right. Um, <laughs> we do all like you better. Uh, so it's because they've just taught it to them time and time again. It's just who they are. We, as this body of Alamo Heights, we, as this family of Alamo Heights, we're about children. From the beginning of our community, it was about children. And what is it about them? Yeah, they're important. Yes, they are going to be the future. I believe the children are their future. Nobody? Thank you, Ryan Jacobson. I mean, yes, I'm going to drop my microphone and just walk off until somebody does something. Teach them well and let them lead the way. All the beauty they possess inside. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it is something that you have heard of multiple times in here. Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. It is called the Shema. You should know it. We did it at 930 last week. Daryl has a song about it. We do it periodically in here. They do it in the sanctuary all the time. Jesus would have done this at least three times a day, every day of his life. He would have recited these words. He would have recited what it means to be a child of God. He would have reminded himself that it is not just about him, that is there a bigger kingdom picture going on. They say every time you say the Shema, it is as if you are being reborn again into the sonship or the daughterhood that you possess. You are being reminded of who you truly are. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my version of this scripture, when it talks about the children, it says again and again. Tell them to your children again and again. Never stop telling your children who they are. If our community is anything over the last few years, we have been beating into all of us the idea that we are sons and daughters of God, that we matter. From the very beginning of our story in Deuteronomy, God told us. Here's who you are. Remember this and teach it to your children over and over and over and over So that when they really need to understand who they are, they know. They know. It just comes naturally to their very core. There's a wise guy and his name is Dr. Darrell Lord Smith. And recently we were filming um, the rest of the video curriculum for the bridge class. Uh, We did this on Thursday. And I just quoted him. I just quoted Daryl back to him. Like, he's reached the level now that people are quoting him. Like, I don't remember who said it, but there was somebody who said this. Daryl's like, that was me. And I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Um, But he said, essentially, we were talking about faith and and like the Hebrew life. Faith isn't something they like just they have to leave to believe. Faith is something of who they are. It's if you talk about it like Jesus, you wouldn't say, hey, Jesus, how's your faith life going? You ever have been asked that question by somebody? Hey, how's your faith life going? How's your walk going? You having quiet time? Are you? Are you? you praying? You going to church? You worshiping a little bit? How's your faith life going? It's going okay? Nobody would ever walk up to Jesus and go, Hey, Jesus, how's your faith life going? That would just be a question that he could not comprehend. How's, how's my faith life going? What are you talking about? My life is. Uh, the Hebrew mind, the Jewish mind would, would think in those ways. Why? Because from the time that they are very young, the story is told over and over and over and over again. We once were slaves, but we no longer are because God moves. From their very beginning, they know that they are sons and daughters. So when something happens later along the way, they're like, whoa, I don't even have to like, take a leap of faith to get there. I'm already there. Backstage just a little while ago, we got into a really heavy conversation, which was why we were much later coming out than the normal lateness that we get out with. And this is when I quoted Daryl back to himself. And it dealt around healing and the anger and frustration that comes sometimes when healing doesn't happen. When you pray for healing and it doesn't happen. How many times um, you can sit by someone's hospital bed and pray that this person be healed? And then you go away and they're not. And and it was causing some anger and some frustration, and we went down this and, and they looked at me and they said, You know, you kind of live in this. And I went, I'm aware of that. <laughs> How often I pray for grace to be healed. And she's not. How often I pray for her to say, I love you, Daddy. And she doesn't. How often I pray for her to go to the bathroom on the potty. And she's starting to. Yeah. All right. I I text Stacy Smith um, just yesterday, wasn't it? I said, you're the tinkle winner. Because she went tinkle on the potty and she goes tinkle on the potty. We call someone to send her a video. And so Stacy and Abby sent her a tinkle congratulations video. And it was great. Um, so you may be getting a call. Uh, <laughs> you're the poopy winner. Uh, so. But how often and that, and that is praise God. Hallelujah. We want it to continue along that road. But how often have Jenna and I sat and prayed for her to be healed, but she's not Now, it could be that we shake ourselves in our faith and we start to question. Yes, I have done that. I have been angry. I have been lost. I have been confused. I have been hurt. You name an emotion, I have dealt with it through my daughter. But at the very core of who I am, I don't doubt. I may question, but I don't doubt. God, why are you doing this? Why are you not healing her? Because you can. Because it's who you are. You are the healer. You have that power and that love, and you love her more than I can even understand. If we continue to teach our kids that fact... No matter what is thrown at them in life, they will fall back on "I am a daughter, I am a son of God." I'm going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, when I look at my relationship with Grace, I can see her. I had a great moment earlier during worship when she's running up to the light over there and she's like happy as can be, um, because Abby has given her iPad and. Things like that are off limits to her now. And we just gave her a little bit of a taste. And she's like, ah, she's dancing. And she sees one of her friends, Brandy, over there that she gets really excited to see. and, And the music is going. And she's just happy. And I remember the times when we used to wheel her into this room in a wheelchair because she couldn't walk. At the end of the day, I know that that's what God does. And so I choose to live there. I hope that what Corbin and Grace learn from me is that I love them. I love them. No matter what happens, I may be disappointed in them, but I love them because that's how he loves us. I picked this up from Daryl, by the way. I think I did. I'm learning a lot from Daryl. It's great uh you could learn a lot from a guy in a tight t-shirt uh he's not listening um it is every every night when i when i put the kids to bed i i uh, I, I say the ironic blessing the ironic not ironic blessing over them um and then i it, mainly i do this for corbin grace and i have something a little different and special but corbin i say can you do anything to make daddy not love you Can you do anything to make God stop loving you? No, sir. All right. I love you. Good night. If our kids knew that. Look, I didn't invent that. That guy did. Carrot top. If our kids knew that, that. Without fail, they are loved then the fact that they are the future of this community makes me happy. Because they're going to tell their kids and the kids of this community the same thing. No matter what happens, you are loved. Let us pray.